I appreciate his servant heart and his witness here in the county. Uh, when I first moved to the area to pastor here in Sonoma County in 2017, this little thing happened, a fire, we all remember, and uh, I was only here a few months, and um, this is when I first met Adam, and it became such a resource to myself and so many pastors to know, like, how can we help our congregations navigate through some of these crazy things? And that's just one element of the way that Adam has a heart and, and lives out the mission uh, for this, this county, for Sonoma County. So I look forward to um, hearing from Adam today, and he's going to be sharing with us from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. If you have a Bible, you may turn there with me. I'll read it for us. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him from the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The word of the Lord. Please welcome Adam. morning. I am really grateful to be here with you this morning. I had forgotten. I'm not sure uh, what inspired me last time I was here to share the story about running from the bear. But um, yeah, I just don't do that very often because it's such an embarrassing story. Uh, so I'll say a little bit more about it just quickly because clearly it was something that was memorable from the last time that I spoke. Um, I won't take time though to tell the whole story, but it was just a series of bad decisions. And uh, arriving to the camping spot that we did late, um, not prioritizing how we spent our time, not being able to get and keep a fire lit, and then, like, the cascade, it was almost like a slapstick movie, right? When we decided we had to abandon camp for fear of the bear, you know, I thought, well, I'll be like Indiana Jones. I'll take my shirt off. I'll wrap it around a stick. I'll light it on fire. We'll have a torch. And that worked for about 90 seconds, and now I'm without a shirt. And then we're like, well, let's try and climb a tree. Of course, it's dark. And the guy I was with, you know, climbs up gets about 15 feet up in the air and the branch breaks and he falls out of the tree. We're like running. Now we're like, we better just run. And so we're running through the woods at darkness, which is not a great idea. And we actually ran into an electric fence. This is all true. 
which is all proof, you know, that I think they say that the male brain is not fully formed to about 25 years old. And I was like living proof of it on that night. And uh, this was in Montana, home of grizzly bears. And I guess there's something about me in Montana. I've had some of my greatest adventures there. I got to do at 10 years old a, a six-day uh, horsebacking like trip into the Bob Marshall wilderness. And then I had this crazy adventure uh, getting away from a bear. And I think the last time I was in Montana, I went skydiving. So all this to say, if you like adventure, go with me to Montana. If you like common sense, don't go with me to Montana. Um, and yeah, I, um, I feel like home here with you. And uh, part of it's because just the relationships, those of you who I've uh, got to know over time, and certainly my sense, a strong relationship with uh, Paul. Also because the, when I was pastoring City Life Fellowship, we met for five years in this very facility. Uh, I have paced many times in prayer uh, this room, many times. I've handled every single chair in this room. City Life Fellowship donated these chairs uh, to the church here. Um, so awesome, our reflection from the catechism on baptism. I got a chance to stand with my dad and my son Zoran as we baptized him in this baptismal right here. With my daughter Ruby, one of my favorite pictures in my whole life is her coming up at the water and just, um, so it's special to be here, uh, and especially to be with the family of God here in this place. Um, I'm really just feel so privileged to be able to kind of be part of what God's doing with and among his church here in Sonoma County. Um, the work that I do is designed to, to, um, to come alongside the body of Christ and encouraging Expressions of faith and faithfulness in Sonoma County. That's what's behind Feathervine, faith and faithfulness here in Sonoma County. And, and I think about uh, Psalm 37 a lot. Somehow, I mean, it's for all followers uh, of Jesus. It's for all the people of God. You know, every part of the word of God is for all the people of God. But I find special encouragement um, being salt and light for Jesus in Sonoma County through the verses of Psalm 37. And um, I just want to honor uh, um, the Ortlinghouses and Pastor Paul. Uh, I think about him when I think about Psalm 37, verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. I just think that describes who he is so well to me. Just his trust in the Lord, his not growing weary in doing good, and just the way they are just being faithful for Jesus in this place. And, um, and I know that that's not only indicative of him, but indicative of this congregation. And so thank you for the way that you are cultivating faithfulness here in Santa Rosa and Sonoma County. And even from just hearing how I'm talking now, it probably won't surprise you as we dive into Acts chapter 3. Um, you know, that, that along with this passage, I just want to be an encouragement to the body of Christ in this time. You know, um, 
I have heard, I've lived here in Sonoma County almost my whole life. And one of the things that I've heard for decades is this is hard soil. It's an unchurched place. It's not an easy church to be a Christian. And while there may be truth to those things, I want to tell you this is a great place to follow Jesus. This is a great place to be on mission for God. And God is doing amazing things in Sonoma County. So I hope uh, out of our time together, we'll not only be encouraged from the scripture, we'll not only have a chance to to see how the word uh, teaches us about Jesus, we'll not only have a chance to exalt him and who he is and the amazing implications of what he's accomplished through his death, his burial, his resurrection, but also that we'll be encouraged uh, to be on mission for Jesus, just like Peter and John in this story. So I want to thank Daniel for uh, reading the verses there from uh, Acts chapter 3. I got to tell you, uh, when when Paul told me about uh, Daniel coming on to be part of the team here, I was absolutely thrilled for him, and I'm absolutely thrilled for you. I'm just so excited about that. So uh, it's been a, a joy to, to get to spend some time with you this morning as well, Daniel. So um, see if I got this working. Where am I supposed to point this? I'm hitting the green button. There we go. So I want to talk about the things that have been restored in our life um, through the life that Jesus lived, especially the death he died, his resurrection, and, and then all that changed as a result of that. And, and I'm going to ask us, we're going to just uh, look at, uh, throughout this time, we're going to bounce through a few scriptures, particularly in Genesis, 2 Samuel, and then this story in Acts chapter 3. So uh, we see in Acts 3, 1 through 10, that the first miracle healing recorded after Pentecost highlights three powerful ways that the finished work of Jesus on the cross has restored us to God's purpose, uh, purposes for our lives. One of the things that, that I want to encourage us, I know you know this, but I want to say again, is that Jesus didn't just rescue us from death and the brokenness and the dysfunction of our lives. He restored us to life and God's eternal purposes for our life. Jesus was not God's plan B. Jesus was always plan A uh, in God. It says that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. What, what, what I'm saying in that regard is that it's not only the great rescuing work that God's done, but the great restoring work that he's done. So we're not uh, living our lives somehow in, well, you know, we messed it all up, but God salvaged a little bit for us. No, we have been given everything we need um, for, for participation in the life of God. And he has restored us to the life that God has always intended for us. There's a good chance to say amen. So three pictures of how Christ Jesus restored us to God's purposes for us. So the first is that Christ Jesus has restored us to fellowship with God. Now, we, this word fellowship has to do with this uh, abiding relationship, this doing life with, this, this element, as we see the author of Hebrews says, that because 
of the ministry, the finished work of Christ on the cross, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. And um, one of the things that's interesting uh, in this miracle from Acts chapter 3. So uh, again, I know we just kind of read through the verses, but, but there's a man, he's sitting outside the temple at a gateway called Beautiful. And he has been there a long time. So long that the people who come and go from the temple, they recognize him. Says that he has not been able to walk ever. He was lame from birth. So here's the thing. Jesus walked by this man. Jesus walked by this man. I don't know. It's all speculation. But I just wonder if he knew that God was going to miraculously heal this guy. Certainly we know that he looked with him on compassion, but I wonder if he, he just knew this man's going to be healed. This man's going to walk. I wonder out of that compassion if he was ever, you know, Jesus said in John chapter five nineteen, I only do what I see my father doing and only say what I hear my father saying. But I wonder if at one time he ever felt out of that compassion drawn to like that miracle. But somehow there was this sense, no, wait. See, I believe that this miracle was handpicked by God to speak to what Jesus accomplished and what the, the um, work of the, the newly formed church, this happens right after Pentecost, Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem till they were clothed with power from on high. He said, look, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, but you're going to wait. I'm, I'm, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to anoint you for the work and the ministry that I've called you to, what we talk about in the Great Commission. And, and there's something about this miracle that speaks to what that work of being on mission is all about. And so this man though I know he suffered and that there was great compassion from God, this man had an appointed time for healing. Do you understand what I'm saying there? And so he, he sits there and Peter and John come by and that moment is there. They, they, weren't, they weren't showing up necessarily. The text doesn't lead us to believe they were showing up looking for someone to heal. But in that moment, their attention has got and, and, and they just know, okay, this is the time in the name of Jesus Christ rise and walk. And, and there's a powerful picture of the gospel here. Because here's the thing that we need to understand is that we were always created to walk with God in fellowship. And there's something incredibly powerful about how we walk and this picture of walking with God. I could get lost in it. And so um, I'll just invite you to explore this a little bit more, but in the uh, creation account in Genesis, uh, a place is made, it is filled with life, and then part of the expression of light, of that life is talking about how that life or that created thing works in the space created. Whether it's the stars and galaxies and planets and how they orbit, or the fish and how they swim, or the birds and how they fly, or it says all the creatures of the earth and how they creep. 
the, the, you see this pattern talked about. But when Adam and Eve are created, it never talks about how we move until Genesis 3.8, where it says they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. The first mention of walking in the Bible is God walking. Just like the first mention of resting in the Bible is God resting in the Sabbath rest. And it says, in him doing it, he made it holy. Regardless of people's religious belief, um, it's very clear when they look at the uniqueness of human beings in this world that one of the things that sets us apart is how we walk. In the biblical framework, it is an expression of us as image bearers. And the number one metaphor, the number one picture of a faithful life with God in the Bible is, guess what? Walking. Not just in the Old Testament. One of the first commendations, right, of someone in the Bible is Enoch, where it says he, what? Walked with God. All throughout the scripture, this is the promise of God. He actually says to the people of Israel as he's talking about his dwelling with them in the promised land that I will walk with you or you will walk with me. It is this, this framework. We see it in the summaries of the law, like Micah 6.8, to do justice and love mercy and what? Walk humbly with your God. In the New Testament, it is one of the go-to pictures. We're told to walk in faith, walk in the light, walk in truth. We're told to walk in love. We're told not to walk as the world walks or the Gentiles walks, right? But, but all of these expressions are, are, are uh, coming into this picture that we were made to walk with God. So interesting. When the tabernacle uh, and the temple and all that stuff was, was being lined out in uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, the whole, the whole framework of of God displaying the fact that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, and in laying all this out and really laying the foundation, all of these things pointing to the hope that we have in Jesus. And it was interesting that he said that um, as they were being mobile, that they could move anything they wanted with carts. In fact, it says he gave them carts to do that sort of thing. But when it came to the most holy things, when it came to the things that represented the presence of God and especially the Ark of the Covenant was, which was this dwelling place of the presence of God that they were to walk with that Ark and carry it on the shoulders of the priests. David, in, in this wonderful heart for worship, right? When he becomes king, uh, we see in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6 that he has this desire that he's, He's going to move the tabernacle from Hebron to Jerusalem because he wants the presence of God in the capital of the land of God. And, and, and he, he wants this, this um, city that's being established, the city of Jerusalem, to be the place where the presence of God dwells. And so um, I think with great reverence and celebration, they, they create an amazing party and processional. They held nothing back to honor God and celebrate his presence coming into the city. But they decided to bring it in on a cart. 
And if you know the story, the cart hits a bump and a priest reached out his hand to stabilize the ark and he dies. And it's this incredible prophetic picture of the fact that God will not be mechanized. He will not be manipulated. He will not be mediated. He is a God who's designed to fellowship with us and he's all, we've always been prescribed to walk with him. And so after some time and nursing some sore feelings, David has the ark brought in on the shoulders of the priests. And it is an incredible, incredible procession. And the presence of God comes into this city. And that is what's, what the temple was built around. The entire temple that's talked about in Acts 3 was built around this story of the ark of the covenant coming in on the shoulders of the priests. So when this man is healed, by Peter and John, and he can walk for the first time. It said he couldn't walk before. It reminds me of Ephesians 2. Walking is this core metaphor that Paul uses in Ephesians. It says, remember, Ephesians 2, 1, you were dead in your sin and trespasses. You were unable to walk with God. But he goes on in verses 2, 8 through 10, talking about it's by grace we've been saved. And then it says, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Right? And it says, that, that we have been uh, designed to walk in good works, which God has created beforehand. And so in this miracle, it, it speaks to the fact that we were created for fellowship with God. And as a result of who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross, that we too can walk with God. Now, one of the key elements of this is the proclamation of the presence of God with us. And I want to encourage you to consider this morning that regardless of how much we are aware of it, God, God's presence is thick in Sonoma County. He is here every day at work. There's a, there's a lie about God. There is a false expression of religion called deism. And deism actually can proclaim a lot of truth about God, but it's missing an absolutely essential element of what makes Christianity Christianity. And part of of what deism says is that God got everything going, created it all in a principled way, and then is off in some far-off distance, leading us to work it out by ourselves, to do the best we can with the truth we have. And friends, that is a lie from the devil. God has never stopped being present in creation, and he's never stopped welcoming people who would come to him, people who would want relationship with him, who would seek after him to walk with him. And here's the thing, God is roaming Sonoma County, touching people's hearts and lives every day, and he has invited us to walk with him and be part of that process. I, by God's grace, I want to live ever more passionate for Jesus, ever more devoted for God, and I just want to confess to you, I have to be reminded about God being present in our world. I have to be reminded in my day-to-day life that I can fellowship with him and I can be looking for him and that I can believe that he's with me and that when I pray, I'm not spanning eons and 
you know, huge distances, but he's present with me. Am I talking to the right people here? And that he wants to fellowship with us. And that a day shouldn't go by where I don't have an opportunity as I engage him in the word and in prayer, as I interact with the body of Christ, as I'm looking with eyes and faith out to the community that I don't have a chance to see or know or experience that he's present. Now, I recognize in, in the midst of, of contending for the, the, um, the rooting of our conviction of the presence of God in our lives that there's times where, where we don't sense him and yet we trust he's there. I get that that's part of being formed in Christ, but I want to tell you that the normal Christian life is not a life of not knowing the presence of God. It's a life of knowing the presence of God. It's not a life of doubting that he's there. It's a life of believing that he's there and seeing us meet him in that way. And we can be confident of the truth of that. But, and, and the word says it over and over. And this miracle proclaims it with power as this first expression of the power of God through the church as they are being launched to be witnesses. This is ground zero of being witnesses for God in Jerusalem. And we see this picture that someone who had not been able to walk was able to walk. Now let me connect the dots for you. The Spirit of God used to dwell in the Ark of the Covenant. And it was walked in on the shoulders of the priests. When Jesus said it is finished, his completed work dealing with sin and death on the cross, it says that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. We know that everything changed. The old system was destroyed and a new thing emerged. And at Pentecost, what happened? The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that had dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant, now dwelt in the heart of Peter and John. And when this man was walking into the temple, he had never been able to go into the temple before. He'd never been able to join in that place of worship. First time in his life that he could walk. What would you choose to do? And he said, I'm going into the temple. I'm going into the place. I'm going into fellowship with God. And he walked with Peter and John, carrying the very presence of God. It was no longer about the Holy of Holies in the back of the temple. It was about the fact that the presence of God was, was right there beside him, and he was walking with God in that way. What a powerful picture. What a powerful picture. We see this link here, Genesis 3. 2 Samuel 6, Acts 3, telling of what has been promised in the past, has been fulfilled in Jesus, and is available to those who are following him, those who have come into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. The triumph of Jesus Christ over sin and death means that we can be restored to a life of walking with God. I just want to encourage you to reflect on your walk with God, your sense of of his presence, your engagement with him in your everyday life. All right, secondly, I got to speed it up here. Jesus has restored us to wholeheartedness in life. So we're looking at these pictures, right? So God's, his intention for us has always been the, the, the nature of the law has been to lead us to life with God, to, to life in Christ, right? To, to exalt Jesus Christ, and to restore us to God's original purposes. There's interesting uh, scripture um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, right? That says that Adam and Eve, in their 
dwelling in the Garden of Eden and their fellowship with God and their, their naming of the, the animals and cultivating a life in the garden and all the stuff that you're learning experiences, it says they were naked and not ashamed. They were naked and not ashamed. And this is not just about the physicalness of that or even the morality of that. Obviously, they were without sin, but, but it's talking about the wholeness, the, the linkage of their inner life and their outer life and the way that they were in fulfillment of the law, the greatest commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. They were able to love God with their muchness, their inner life, their outer life, their mental life, their emotional life, their physical life. Everything that they did, there was a transparency and a life and a joy in it. They weren't divided where they were mentally engaged and emotionally dead or emotionally engaged and mentally not there or, you know, disembodied in the way that they were doing stuff. They brought the wholeness of who they are to one another and God and the world around them. Now, it's very interesting in the story of 2 Samuel chapter 6 is that as David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, it says that he was dancing and worshiping and leaping. It's interesting because it talks about how he was dressed and the implication of the story actually echoes back to this verse in Genesis chapter two. His wife, Michael, was upset because she thought that he was being immodest and and undignified. But what we saw was that he was wholeheartedly worshiping God. He was fully present with every element of his life, glorifying God in that moment. And what is so very cool in Acts chapter 3 in this miracle is that the same language that's used about how David danced before the Ark of the Covenant as the presence of God was coming into the city is the language that's used of this man in Acts chapter 3, that he was dancing and leaping and praising God, accompanied there by the disciples journeying in and walking for the first time, you see that he is overcome with joy and worship and fullness. He's experiencing his physical strength for the same time. And I think heaven was celebrating because God's given us bodies for a reason. And every part of who he was was united in overflowing worship and joy. He was emotionally there, mentally there, physically there, relationally there, he was all there. And this is the picture. This is the um, promise of what has been made possible for us in life in Christ Jesus. I I want to encourage you as, as we're considering what God's doing here in Sonoma County, that that God is not only gonna glorify himself by what happens in church when we worship on Sunday, but what happens on Monday where we work and what happens on Wednesday night at the family get-together at the park and what happens when we go to the Russian River and enjoy the, the beauty of creation in that way that every aspect of who we are, our gifts, our interest, everything that we bring the muchness of our being to, 
that it's designed to glorify God and he wants to meet us in it and fellowship with us. And I am so excited as I get the privilege of um, interacting in this community of, of seeing guys who are bringing, they're dancing and leaping in the area of the media. There's, it's, it's another story, but there's a guy here in Sonoma County who's becoming like a media mogul with television and radio and all of that for proclaiming the gospel all across um, the greater Bay Area. And it started with just God telling him, buy a radio station in Alaska and trading that for a radio station in North Sa- San, uh, Sonoma County and then just how it is expanding. And, and he's in process, I think by the end of this year, you'll know a lot more about it, but, but just his love, he's, he works for Agilent but he just has this incredible love for media and technology. And God is using him to help the gospel go out across media in ways that it actually never has in our lifetime. I think about a guy who loves similar field, but who loves uh, seeing large group of people come together in outdoor venues. And he used to love to go outdoor concerts. And God's put a vision on his heart to be able to offer free of charge state-of-the-art audio equipment, staging stuff, instruments, all that for free so that Christians can gather outside to glorify God and to celebrate being the people of God. And he's got one of the best systems now ever. I've just been talking. He's like, Adam, when you know about people who want to do outdoor stuff, have them talk to me. I want to bless them. It's what it's all for. But it goes on to artists and plumbers and people working in construction who are getting incredible opportunities, uh, arborists, I, you name it, whatever's in this room, we get the chance to bring the whole of who we are and the whole of our lives to God in a place of feeling like he cares about it all and wants it all and will be glorified in it all. And, and we shouldn't feel like there's a separation in our lives between the things we do on Sunday morning and the things we do Monday through Friday or on Saturday, it's all for his glory. And because of who Jesus is and what he's restored us to, we can believe God that we can find joy in life and, and, and that it can glorify him in all of those areas. So the triumph of Jesus over sin and death means that we can be restored to every part of our lives being awakened and united in responsive relationship to God. Let's do one more. Christ Jesus restored us to being a witness to the glory of God for all creation. The triumph of Jesus Christ over sin and death means that we can be restored to a life as image image bearers of God, revealing the glory of God to the world around us. The result of this miracle, the result of this commotion, it's so cool, so he can walk for the first time. And he journeys with Peter and John into the temple. The first thing he wants to do is go be in the presence of the people of God and the presence of God and be restored to community in that way is is the promise of all that it means and and symbolizes. And as he came in, I don't know, don't you love, don't you love the joy of new believers? In Jesus. 
man, he came in like every single person should have come into that temple. (laughs) But he probably was the only one dancing and leaping and praising God quite like that. Isn't it amazing that right away he became the example? Lord, help me to do more of that in my life. It made a scene. Do you know when we are walking in fellowship with God, when we have that sense of connectedness and intimacy, when there's that boldness in us, when there's that I am holy here and and I could be washing my dishes like Brother Lawrence or I could be preaching like Billy Graham or I could be planting apple seeds like Johnny Appleseed, whatever it is, when I am bringing the fullness of the strength and life and all the elements of who I am just to life with joy, it cannot help but be noticed. It cannot help but make an impact. It changes things. And it creates a boldness in us. Nikki Cruz, do you guys know who Nikki Cruz is? He's from the, the story about the cross and the switchblade, right? So he was a, a feared gang leader in New York City. And David Wilkerson, right, was sent by God from, I don't know, rural North Carolina to go preach in New York City. The, you know, in so many ways, unprepared and unqualified for that. And somewhat newly there is my understanding. He he shows up just wanting to be a faithful witness, right? And so he, he goes to Nikki Cruz and starts telling him about Jesus. Nikki is, is absolutely like in the incredible bondage of sin and death and violence. He'd killed people. He was maybe the most feared guy. And his response as he hears the truth is to threaten David Wilkerson. And he says, if you say one more thing to me about God, I've heard him tell this story. Now, if I get some details wrong, it's just because I wasn't listening as good as I should. I think he said, I'm going to cut you into a hundred pieces. And, and he said it with the spirit of murder. He really did. And he said, you know, there was a moment where I saw him shrink back in fear. I saw like his humanness. He said, and then there was this moment as I'm observing and I just saw him come alive in Christ. I saw the grace of God on him and he looked me in the eyes and he said, I will not stop telling you about Jesus and the love of God for your life. And he said, you can cut me into a hundred pieces, but I promise you this, every single one of them will be crying out that God loves you and he gave his life for you in Jesus Christ. And he said, when he proclaimed that word to him in boldness, his life, everything changed in him. He was convicted of sin. He's become, he's 80 now, an incredible evangelist for Jesus all over the world. And it came down to the fact in that moment, this is not that that David was so amazing or so smart. It's that he had been cultivating this wholehearted relationship with God. He'd been 
walking with God and journeying with God. He'd been learning how to see the grace of God active and at work, at work in his life. And in that, that journey, he began to know what he had, just like Peter said to this lame man, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you. And he gave to him his confidence in the love and power of God. And it changed the unreachable to being the unstoppable voice of witness for God. When we walk in fellowship with God, when we cultivate a wholehearted relationship with God, you will not, you will not stop having opportunities to be a witness for God. And here's the thing, we were always designed for it. Both for those around us and as Paul writes to the followers of Jesus in Ephesus, even beyond that, I love this in Ephesians 3.10 where he says this, 9 and 10, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Oh, wait, sorry. That's, here we go. And I was like, that didn't sound right. Here we go. To me, Paul says, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable reaches riches of Christ. You hear him knowing what he's been given and called to and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. Say through the church. Through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We know about our witness to those around us. We don't know how broad the story is. Nikki Cruz has no clue that I'm talking about how God reached him this morning in this place. But we were designed to be image bearers of God. We were designed to bring him glory, to to be those witnesses. And what I want to tell you this morning is Sonoma County is a great place to walk with God. It's a great place to live wholeheartedly for Jesus. And this is a great place to be on witness for God. Friends, God is at work. I, I, maybe offline I'll talk to you. I don't like to share names, especially on stuff that goes out on the internet. I have never known more faithful Christians in public office in Sonoma County in my lifetime. New ones, significant places in that way. What God's doing, listen, I'm not, I am not saying there's not a ton of darkness and adversity here, but what I'm saying is that you would be amazed at the places that God has worked at work and the things he's doing, because here's the thing. He's committed to being glorified in Sonoma County. It hasn't changed. Interestingly enough, Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, real place. Judea, real place. Samaria, real place. As, as Daniel shared, you can go and visit those places today. You can physically walk there. It says, even to the ends of the earth. Do you know that when they heard that, 
They were thinking of real places, not just metaphorical places. It's why James went to Spain, because he wanted to go to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth in their framework were the furthest coastlands from the center of the earth, which was Jerusalem. And with the discovery of the new world, interestingly enough, from Spain, the ends of the earth, the new ends of the earth from the worldview of the Bible is the west coast of North and South America. Literally, we are following as Christians in this place the Acts 1-8 call of Jesus that we'd be witnesses at the ends of the earth. So be encouraged. Jesus has the victory. We can live boldly for God and have rich and full lives in Sonoma County for Jesus. And we have the privilege of being his witnesses in this place. And this is a really good time to be a follower of Jesus, to be part of the church of Jesus Christ in this place because God is at work here. He's glorifying himself here and he is purifying and strengthening his bride. He's making us more like the body of Christ that that he envisions us to be. Lord, I thank you for Soma. I thank you for who they are, all that they stand for. I thank you for um, their confidence in you, their love of your word, their celebration of Jesus, their celebration of of, uh, faith and grace. They're reaching out to the homeless. Their, Their partnership at Kid Street, Lord, their desire Father God, to to live lives of fellowship and wholeheartedness and witness for you. So I bless them and encourage them. And I just ask that you would strengthen them, that you would build them up in every way. And Lord, that you would continue to show them on a daily basis the opportunity that they have because of who you are and what you've accomplished. And I just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for the chance to be with you this morning.